Get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. Get ready, get ready for a deep time and filter with your girl loving tea. Spilling all this hot tea on this podcast street. So get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. From deep time and filter with your girl loving tea. Hey, Tea Sippers, I hope you guys are doing good today. So welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. And I have my co-host, Emily, in the house. Emily, Emily, say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. What's up, people? (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot to get into today. Um, So me and you have been kind of talking about this whole interview off and on all weekend. And I talked Mm -hmm. about it on my last live stream because Armand did release the full interview of his interview with um, Sukiana. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting, to say the least. And, you know, for me, like I always say, there's room for all types of women, right? You know, right. everybody's not conservative and prude. You have people who are out there wild and free and, and casual and stuff like that. But I thought that the interview, I thought, one, Armand did a good job. I thought he hit on yeah. a lot of really good questions and she was very open, but I Mm -hmm. also felt like she is not only playing a character, but she's not as proud of what she does as she tries to proclaim. Yeah. I got that too. Mm -hmm. She really, um, it seems like, and, and like I said before in our conversations, it could be maybe just maybe seeing a little bit of, of myself and like going off of my own feelings, but it really seems like, she's really not about that life. Like she portrays herself to be like, I think that the things that she does, I think it messes with her. Mm -hmm. Like she really wants to, there's people that are built for stuff like that. And then there's people who just aren't. And I don't know. I mean, I know she's making money and she's doing her thing. So I really like Suki. I like her personality. I like how she was very vulnerable and open but um, yet to be in like the sex worker industry, you it takes a certain type of person and it's not a bad person or anything like that. It just there's certain people that are built for it and there's certain people that aren't. And with my experience, if you're very spiritually sensitive, it's going to fuck with you hard. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you used to be a stripper. And I know we've talked mm-hmm. about this in the past. And, you know, I've had a lot of homegirls who were strippers and you know, they eventually get out of it, but it is, it, you know, it does take a toll on you, you know, dealing with the men and the different personalities and the lack of respect, you know, Mm -hmm. that sometimes you have to deal with in that industry. But I guess for me, you know, when you're about something and it doesn't bother you, you don't get so defensive. And that's exactly, I I was getting a lot of that from in her interview where she was getting defensive and cussing. And, you know, my thing is when you're proud of what you're doing, then you don't have to knock other people. So for instance, she would say, um, I don't care if I'm fucking on OnlyFans. I'm only fucking my man. A lot of you hoes are fucking, you know, several men um, in a year. Yeah, you know, every time you have sex, it's with a different man. Okay, but if we're all supposed to be so sexually free and, you know, be about that life, why do you care if these girls are having sex with multiple men? It's almost like even though she's doing gutter ball shit on OnlyFans for a check, she still wants to put herself as being better than women who sleep with multiple partners. And I didn't get that because if you're supposed to be about that life and anything goes, then why do you care if these women are sleeping with multiple men? And how's that worse than you sleeping with one man, but making it for the public? 
Yeah, and I also um, to to piggyback off of what you're saying, I noticed that she kept um, bringing up, okay, it was with one person, it was with my fiance. You know, like it's almost like you know this whole hoe culture, but. I really ain't a hoe like that because it's only just with my fiance or it's with my man. And then like you said, but y'all fucking all kind of people for free. At least I'm getting paid and it's with one person. Like she was trying to like, who are you trying to convince? You're trying to convince right. us or yourself. Exactly. And you know, I also noticed she kept bringing up God and that she's very spiritual. And we've all seen that viral video of hers, you know, years ago before the only fans and all that stuff where she was crying about, you know, selling her soul and how she didn't want mm -hmm. to sell her soul to the industry and things like that. And, you know, like I've always said, you know, a lot of these celebs love to talk about God or bring up God, but you have to ask yourself, what God are they talking about? Right. Are they talking about a Christian God, a Hindu God, you know? And I think in Suki's case, I do understand in certain aspects, she feels like she's religious. And, you know, like she said, if God can forgive me, how come, you know, why wouldn't I forgive YK, um, YK a weirdo? Um, <laughs> you know, and I definitely get that. But I also believe that her God is money. I believe yeah, yeah. that money moves her. And once your God becomes money and your whole thing is I can do this and the ends justifies the means, it's cute for now. But four, five, six years from now, will you be able to sleep at night? Because again, like I always say, our money's not good money. And there was even a question that our mom was asking her, how do you feel when your kids will see this in a few years? You know, because your kids will be able to, and maybe they're old enough to Google now, I don't know how old her kids are. And her whole response is, you know, I mean, it don't matter if my kids see me on OnlyFans sucking dick, all y'all's mama done sucked dick. All y'all done <laughs> did this and that. And it's like, yes, everybody, okay? We've all sucked some dick. But the difference is, ma'am, we're not all on the internet doing it. So you can't yeah. compare what people do behind closed doors to their boyfriends, their fiancés, their homeboys, their husbands, to what you're doing. Two totally different things. Yeah, and, um, you know, I understand, like, going hard because, you know, you got kids and, Things. I heard a quote one time, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was like, you don't want to be carrying so many bags. You can't tell between, uh, man, I'm going to butcher it, but it was like, you can't tell between the difference between a bag or a trash bag. The way they sounded it, said it sounded way cooler. But like you said, not all money is good money. And, and like I said before, you know, growing up poor sucks. Like I'm, a lot of people have experienced it. It's, it. it's hard. You know, you look back on it, there's trials and tribulations, but Sometimes what you have to do, like sacrificing your morals or your integrity or going through uh, other ways to make money, sometimes that can be more um, traumatizing on your kids than just growing up poor. Like just mm -hmm. because kids are living in a household where they have a lot of money and they have everything they could want for, um, or they, you know, their college is paid off and things like that, that's all good and well, but there's other things that can traumatize your kids outside of just growing up poor. There's a lot of people who grow up poor and they still end up, you know, living happy, healthy lives. So um, I get, yeah. you know, going hard for your kids, but that was definitely something that made my ears perk up. Cause it seemed like a lot of times she was bringing up her kids. She's like, I love being a mother. I love taking care of my kids. I'm home all the time with them. And um, you know, that, that was one thing I thought of. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point is that so many times we demonize poverty and granted, you know, we like me and you, we both grew up poor. We didn't have a whole mm -hmm. lot growing up. 
And that's one of the things that we've been able to relate to and to watch how much we grinded to get up out of poverty is a blessing. But even, you know, growing up in poverty, growing up poor, not having everything that you think that you need or even things that you want, it's not always necessarily bad because even growing up in those circumstances, they make you stronger. Yeah, you know? they build you. They build yeah. you. Like, especially when you get older and you start like going through like real trials and tribulations and stuff. And you're like, oh shit, this ain't nothing. Like, if I can make it through the shit that I made through, uh, made it through before, this little bullshit here ain't nothing. Exactly. And that's the thing, like you said, so many times, you know, we grind and we go hard, you know, to make sure our kids live better than how we lived and to get money. But again, just because you have it now, just because you're rich does not mean that those kids are necessarily better off. You know, and if you have to do strange things for some change to take care of your kids and your kids can Google you on the Internet and see you in all types of compromising, you know, positions how good is that going to be for their mental health as opposed to them maybe growing up in some form of poverty? Yeah. And you know, this, I will say I do. Uh, I like Suki. I like her personality. I wish she would take more of a comedy route. Cause I think she's funny as hell. Like mm -hmm. a lot of little things I've seen to her. Cause you know, I'm short. So when she, me and her are the same height and she's like, I'm a little leprechaun and I want some gold. Like she's funny as shit. I think the comedic route works really well for her. I understand, you know, she makes her money, how she makes her money. Um, but I do, there, there was a lot of things throughout the interview that I did like as well. I liked how she was very open about being very sensitive and about mm -hmm. having emotions and things like that, because I'm the same way. I'm very sensitive. My feelings can get hurt pretty easy. You know, I, my, I might not give a fuck tomorrow, but today my feelings <laughs> can get, <laughs> um, I, you know, I get my feelings hurt pretty easy too. So I did like how she was very open about that. And, you know, when things were not going, you know, when things were kind of fucked up, she was very open. Like, that hurt my feelings. So I thought it was nice that she brought that up. And I really do like her personality, but I think she's conflicted. I think that, you know, she wants the money. And she, I don't think she really wants to be doing all this. I know she quit OnlyFans. I guess she quit making content, but she still has content up, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how that works. If you really officially quit, maybe you're not making new shit, but you still got old stuff you're making money off of, whatever. I don't think and you know I could be jumping out the window because I'm not her I don't think she really likes doing all the only fans type shit just off the energy <clears throat> excuse me off the energy from the um interview it it didn't seem like it set well with her but you know yeah she's kind of doing it as a as a way to justify you know <clears throat> the ends justifying the means but yeah I don't think that she's necessarily happy with that I think she's a lot smarter and a lot more articulate and she understands what she's doing, but she feels like she has no other choice. Like, you know, when she tried to just be regular Suki, nobody was paying her any mind. But when she became ratchet and was doing all this stuff for attention, here comes the attention. Now, currently, she's going viral because she's out there in London acting a fool. Um, there's a bunch of like white folks out there in front of, I think Buckingham palace. And she's talking about getting her coochie scratched and she wants to eat, you know, a dude's ass. So we're going to go ahead and play this clip really quick. Cause Suki, you know, she has no shame child. <laughs> Let me go ahead and pull this up here. I'm, I'm trying to get, get my, my coochie scratched. scratched. I want to get my coochie scratched and eat a nigga ass. Eat a nigga ass. We be eating niggas ass today in London. Period. <laughs> All right, so you okay. just saw that video. 
And again, you know, a lot of people are dragging her. She's currently trending right now all over Twitter over that. Yeah, she'll go viral. That's what I'm saying. One thing Suki will do. She will trend and she will go viral. Yes, she will. <clears throat> and a lot of people are upset because they feel like that's a poor representation, you know, for black women overseas. You're over there hooping and hollering about eating ass. You know, it's just like you're doing too much, sis. And, you know... It's just like, I, I think that, you know, I get wanting to go viral. I get trying to, you know, cash in on your persona. But I also believe that there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. You know, if you're in concert and that's what you want to do for people who paid for a ticket to come see your show, then by all means, get on stage and, you know, eat somebody's ass or whatever y'all feel like doing at <laughs> concert. But I think there is a way that you carry yourself out in public. And I don't think it's so much about... Oh, being embarrassed or walking on eggshells because white people are there. I don't care if it's white people, brown people. It's just the way that you carry yourself in public because everybody doesn't know who she is. And so if I don't know who she is, black or white, and I'm seeing some random lunatic screaming about eating ass <laughs> and getting her coochie scratch, I'm thinking she might have an STD that she needs to get cured. Like, what you know, if I didn't know she was Suki, what is wrong with this random woman Screaming about getting her coochie scratch and eating ass. I'm going to think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, um, I know that right now it's really popular, like this really super duper raunchy culture, you know, to be like very sexual and nasty and stuff like that. And I've watched a lot of her interviews and I'm like, OK, th there's no way people can think she's being serious because I've, I've watched interviews where she's like, I love to bend over and fart in someone's face. And I'm like, she's trolling right now. Like, there's no way she's fucking serious in that regard. So I think, I don't know if she's just trolling um, in this instance. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a way you should you should carry yourself in public. I do agree with that. But I will say for Suki, sometimes there's so many different types of people and I get like representation and stuff like that. I don't think that all of the weight should be on her back though, on like how, you know, women are being represented. If she's out there acting ratchet, that's Suki being ratchet. That don't represent you. That don't represent my other homegirls and how they act out in public. That's Suki shit right there. Right. And, you know, ordinarily, that that's how it should be, right? But unfortunately yeah. for, like, us in the Black community, for whatever reason, we get painted with a monolithic brush, right? Yeah, that's and You can have, right. like, the white girl who's super ratchet and, you know, licking on a toilet seat and doing all types <laughs> yeah. of crazy stuff to go viral, Nobody says, look at how all white women behave. Yeah, but the bad babies of the world. Exactly. That's all Nobody, white women. Exactly. Nobody ever says all white women act like bad baby or all white women act like Kim Kardashian because y'all have so much different representation. Unfortunately yeah. for us, we don't have a wide variety of representation that goes viral, right? It's like, for whatever reason, the main people who go viral in our community on social media tend to be the more brash, loud, ratchet, you know what I'm saying? Those type of personalities. And yeah. again, a lot of these women are playing personas, right? Because I've met a lot of these women like Krishan and, and so many others, and they're not like that in real life. So a lot of it is for social media. And I think that's the part that kind of, you know, is kind of sad to me that unfortunately sometimes as Black women, you know, in order for us to go viral, to get that attention, to get our music heard, we have to play up this ratchet persona where we're fighting and we're on, you know, the bad girls club and baddies and all this and that. 
And we don't go viral for just being smart and articulate and carrying ourselves a certain way. And that's why I also hold a lot of the media, you know, especially black media responsible, that there should be a balance. You know what I'm saying? The same way we can post Suki and Krishan, we have to be able to post good news too and post, you know, regular black women just doing regular black things and handling their business. And I try to do that on my Instagram page, you know, just like we can post Suki, we also post good news, you know, like the little young boy who got the drum set from his teacher. I was in real tears, by the way, oh, seeing yeah. that. That was so yeah. sweet. I cried about that. You know, I, I, we try and post a little bit of everything um, because again, black women are not a monolith. You know, no women are a monolith. You know, there's different types of women in every community. But unfortunately, in our community, it's always like the Sukis, the sexies, you know, the most ratchet, the most vulgar that get that attention. And I know that that's yep. why she does it, because she gets attention for that. Like I said, right now, she's trending. And unfortunately, most of the comments are typical Black women. This is 95 yeah. Black women. This is how Black women act overseas. This is embarrassing. It's like, no, this is how Suki acts overseas. I don't behave that way. Lady J literally lives overseas. She doesn't behave that way. You know, like don't paint us as a monolith, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Cause that's really not fair at all, which I mean, I get life isn't fair, but that's, that's so unfair. Cause usually, honestly, when most people like say Kim Kardashian's a white, most white girls be like, Kim Kardashian ain't white. She's Armenian, you know, like, but in the, the grand scheme of things, you're, you're right. Most of the time they, that's what the blogs carry. And that's what, and then like you said, the comments are all, oh, see, this is how people act and this, this, and the third. And then they use that as an excuse to spread ignorance and biases and, and just stupid shit. Like it's almost like a stupid narrative just by posting things like that. So, you know, I, I definitely get it from that perspective <clears throat> too, because like you said, they're, they only are going to highlight the, the ratchet stuff. And that's why people act like that, because at the end of the day, you know, the more you go viral, the, I mean, that's the more money you make. I'm sure if Suki, you know, did a black China and went, you know, super Christian and stuff like that, she would not make the same amount of money nor get the same amount of attention. No, you know, and again, that's part of the world that we live in. And so, like, I get these women, they're trying to make their money. They're trying to feed their kids. They're trying to take care of their families. But it's just kind of sad that they have to do the most lowbrow things to go viral, to get a check, you know, whereas people in other communities, yeah, you may have a few that are ratchet, but they're not the, the main, that's not the norm. You know, like, whoa, well, Vicky, before she turned Christian, she was not the norm. Bad baby's not the norm. And unfortunately, it's like, all I see are people going viral, you know, for portraying and acting, the, for portraying and treating themselves in the way that Suki portrays and treats herself. So- yeah, Mm -hmm. with with Suki also, you know, like, well, Vicky, for an example, she has the option of switching things around and changing her image and all that, you know, Suki's not going to get those same graces that well, Vicky is going to get not saying that I agree, that's fair. But w we know how the world is. If one day Suki wakes up and she decides she wants to, you know, switch it up, it's not going to be as easy for her as it was for a well, Vicky or for a bad baby or for whatever, you know, other other girl just wakes up and decides, you know what, this is too much. I don't want to do this anymore. Exactly. You know, because they can always switch it up and, you know, be given grace. And even like with white boys, you know, oh, boys will be boys. Mm -hmm. You know, now that was just a phase. Yeah, that was a phase. Justin and Bieber. Like, exactly. We don't get that same treatment. 
So, you know, as black women and of people of color, we do have to watch the way that we portray our image because we don't get that same grace. So you're, you're definitely right about that. You know, well, Vicky was out here wilding a few years ago and now she's super conservative and she switched up her whole style and she's still able to get, you know, sponsorship deals and, you know, all types of love. Whereas a lot of us, when we per, you know, when we put ourselves out there is ratchet and I don't care, you can, you know, stick it in every orifice, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like we will always be labeled a whore and a porn star and this, this and that. So yeah, it's, yep. it's crazy. But now we can go ahead and kind of segue to um, what's very interesting, because we were saying this earlier about this whole super ratchet, overtly sexual culture that's just going around. Um, if you guys do not know right now, Houston, we have a problem. Okay. Houston, Texas has announced that they have a huge uptick, um, 128% spike in the STD syphilis. Okay. Yes. 128%. I want to go ahead and read this real quick. They're saying that Houston health officials are warning residents of a syphilis outbreak that is responsible for 128% increase in amongst women. The Houston Health Department said it has also led to ninefold rise in syphilis in Houston and in Harris County. Statistics indicate that new infections rose by 57% from 1,800 in 2019 to 2,900 in 2022. The number of cases amongst women totaled 649 last year, which is up from 295 in 2019. So this is really frightening. So we had posted this and I had wrote this comment. I said, see all that my coochie pink and my booty hole brown is coming <laughs> back to bite. People need to stop smashing everything that moves in these streets. Yeah, and the thing mm -hmm. with syphilis too is that like, you know, not not saying any better, you know, STD shaming or anything, but syphilis can really like, it's not just like chlamydia where you go get some antibiotic. That's what killed John Gotti, right? Or no, it wasn't John. Go it was uh, another monster, Al Capone. Yeah, Al Capone. It was what mm -hmm. killed Al Capone because he, he was scared of needles. But syphilis will literally like it, it'll make you go crazy and you can die mm -hmm. from it. You know, that's a very serious STD. It is. And the thing that's so crazy is one of my tea sippers was telling me um, in the comment of that uh, post, she was saying that she believed that the reason why the syphilis outbreak was on the rise is that back in April, they had a thing out there called Mocha Fest, which was supposed to be like the new, um, what is that, the ATL thing that they had? Freaknik. Freaknik, yes, thank you. It was supposed to be like the new Freaknik. And she was like, T, please hashtag Mocha Fest and go through the hashtag. Because I never heard of it. I so I go on to Twitter and I'm literally hashtagging Mocha Fest. And when I tell you, I am shocked by what I'm seeing. This is what took place. I'm going to show you the video. This is what took place back in April. Okay. Oh, As wow. you see, <gasps> they are at a random pool party. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm going to mute it. And they are literally sucking this man's peen. There's multiple women standing in line to suck some random man's peen at a pool party in oh, front wow. of hundreds of people. <gasps> this is insane. Oh, wow. That is bad. Oh, yeah. my God. They're not even wiping it off. I don't even know if these Ooh. girls know each other. So now on top of that, they were random girls. <laughs> 
eating each other. Ah! Oh wow! Yeah. Damn, this is straight porn all over Twitter. Yeah, that's what man. Twitter's off the damn chain. They will just they have I mean, no guidelines. Pool party in front of thousands of people. Oh my so god! People are saying that they believe that this is what caused the rise of syphilis in Houston. Hell, I imagine so. Shit, that's why You can just see everybody's faces are just shocked in the crowd. Yeah, could you imagine thinking you're going to a festival to listen to some music and have a good old funky time, <clears throat> and then you all this shit starts breaking out? Yeah. So it's just, it's crazy, and I think, again, it goes back to this whole anything goes culture, you know, like just, just wilding out, being freaky, you know, my booty hole's brown, you want to see what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane, and people act like STDs are something from the 90s. No, STDs are still around. You can still get HIV. You can still get chlamydia. You can still get gonorrhea. And, you know, people need to protect themselves. And, you know, it's okay to not sleep with any and everything that moves. It's okay to not give a random guy a head at a pool party with your homegirl. So today's show sponsor is brought to you by Chime.com. It is officially summertime. Do you have a summer anthem yet? Well, if you don't, maybe it should be something like Credit Easy. That's the song you'll be singing all summer long with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. A better way to build credit, as in you can build your credit score safely with everyday purchases and on-time payments. Also, with a Chime checking account, you get paid up to two days earlier with qualifying direct deposits. You also get access to your money sooner, and you have access to over 60,000 fee-free ATMs. So if you want to start building up your credit, all you have to do is open up a Chime checking account with at least $200 of qualifying direct deposits. Make sure you go on to Chime.com and use my code SIPSLOW. So once again, that's Chime.com forward slash Sip slow. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Stride Bank NA, member FDIC, Chime checking account, and $200 qualifying direct deposits required to apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. On-time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payments may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. So make sure you guys check them out. That reminded me of like, <clears throat> you know how they used to in, you know, ancient like Rome and Babylon and stuff. And they would mm -hmm. have like these big like rituals, like orgies and stuff like that. And there'd be music and, you know, all this. That's what it looked like. It looked like an old school ritualistic orgy, which I'm sure those people were not like participating in it in that way. But that's, you know, from the outside looking in, that's what it looked like it was it was turning into. And um I'm pretty sure to this day, they still a lot of diseases like STDs out there, you know, you can go undetectable um, or, you know, you can take medication to where it'll make it, you know, not have flare. But oh, there's a lot of incurable diseases. So, you know, you can get herpes. They don't have a cure for herpes. Uh, you mm -hmm. can get um, HIV or AIDS, which uh, or we'll say HIV, I guess a HIV turns into AIDS. Nonetheless, you can get either or those. And um, they're, you know, med modern medicine has went like a super far way to like help people to live normal, productive lives and things like that. But there's still a lot of STDs out there that there's no cure for. So 
you can get stuff and have it for the rest of your life. That's not something you want to like take a chance on. There's nothing wrong with using a condom. Right. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being selective. Yeah. Because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where, you know, two minutes of pleasure ends up ruining your life. You know, yeah, because I mean, you can see their faces. Yeah. And some of these STDs can leave you infertile. Yeah, you know? that's true too. You catch enough of them and then now you want to settle down with your husband and you can't have a baby, you know, so women out here have to be really careful. And it also sounds the fact that there's so much of this outbreak is that you have, you know, of course, there's a lot more women out here than men, but it sounds like it's the same group of women sleeping with the same small pool of men out there in Houston. Yeah, that, you know, cities seem, I know Houston is a really big city. I think they have one of like the biggest, I saw a picture of that the other day, like one of the biggest interstates, I think. And just seeing a picture of that gave me anxiety, like that many people. But even in a really big city like Houston, it's still a small area. Like big cities can end up being a lot smaller than you realize, especially Mm -hmm. whenever, you know, when you have sex with somebody, especially unprotected or you're not being selective about who you decide to exchange soul ties with. Because even though in those videos, it seemed very carefree and, oh, we were just having a good old funky time. But <clears throat> there's still energy being exchanged in a situation like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, y- you're exchanging soul ties with everybody that person has exchanged those with. And you're, you know, it, it, sleeping with whoever that person's slept with. Yeah, and people need to also understand that a lot of guys don't like to go to the doctor. Let's keep that real. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. <laughs> a lot of guys don't like to go to the doctor. So, you know, a lot of men are out here not getting tested and they're just spreading stuff. Some may know they have it. Some may know they don't. You know, so women have to be really careful on who they decide to sleep with because, you know, some of these guys are willingly spreading stuff and not caring. Yeah, even yeast infections. I don't think, um, you know, I ain't a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly from uh, school when we went over this, I don't think men can like get yeast infections like down there, but they can carry it. So they can carry where messes up your pH balance. Right, exactly. So they, you know, whether they don't know or they do, a lot of times men can get sent, can have things and not even have any symptoms for it. And then you're the one who's, you know, got to deal with all the issues down there and things like that. I mean, that's just an extra headache you don't want. Not to mention, it's not going to make you feel good. Nobody wants to end up getting an STD, you know, that they, one, could have for the rest of their lives or even temporarily. It's not a good feeling. Like, try not to even put yourself in that situation. Yeah. You know, again, being out there, you know, being outside and being part of hot girl summer and, Mm -hmm. you know, my my coochie pink and my booty brown, my coochie pink, my booty hole brown summer. (laughs) You know, these are some of the consequences. So, you know, while y'all's out there showing off coochies and all this other stuff, just understand that there's also an increase out here in these streets. Yeah, there's real consequences from this carefree, ratchet, raunchy culture of just fuck and spit in my face and suck on my balls and drink all my cum, you know. Right. I'm I'm quoting lyrics, but yeah, that brown booty Oh my gosh, when you had me sing, uh, not singing, you had me listen to that Gooch song, that NLE. Yeah. (laughs) That song is very explicit. That was the most disgusting song I've ever heard. And it's a real popular song. Like, I'll be driving, you know, downtown or not even down, you know, just driving around the city, pull up at the stoplight, and that's what you hear. Like, that song just, like, thumping. Because it does got, it does have a good beat. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, and, you know, I'm like, let me turn up my radio a little bit. Because, you know, I got a seven-year-old in the back. And, I, you know, 
Yeah, it's a very popular song, I've noticed. Oh, yeah, especially out there because he's from Memphis, too. So everybody's banging it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Some lyrics are are, are are a thing. They're very explicit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn, I didn't even know people got down like that. But OK. Right. So now on top of that, since we're still on the, the sex topic, let's go ahead and segue to Adam 22 and his just whole ratchet situation with his wife, Lena. Weird now, name. for people who don't know, I talked about this on my live stream, but Adam 22 has been going viral because. And I didn't even know he was a porn star. I just thought he just, you know, interviewed rappers. I didn't know his whole backstory. Not that I cared to know, but him and his girl, well, his wife, they are porn stars. And she would allow him to sleep with other women. They would have threesomes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so he recently allowed his wife to get BBC, you know, to get basically smashed by Jason Love, who's a black porn star. And I guess he feels like Jason Love is feeling himself. And so now he's trying to confront Jason for speaking, um, you know, about the situation. So we're going to watch that real quick here. I guess we're uh, doing this today. Hey, Jason Love, I trusted you to pork my wife. And it seems like that clout is getting to your head. You're talking real, real spicy. And I ain't really feeling it. Number one, the angle of the dangle is more important than the cubic of the pubic. That's number one. Number two, my D game, when I'm serving it, man, it's just like your mom's home cooking because there's a special ingredient. It's called love. You ever heard of it? Number three, don't make me expose you. And you know what I'm talking about. It can get real, real messy out here. Number four, you don't want problems moving around in these LA streets because I can make that happen. I'm very, very well connected. And number five, you are officially blacklisted from smashing my wife again. Show some respect. I guess I'm doing this today. All right, Sean. Okay. It's a, was he serious? I don't think he's serious, but the <laughs> fact that, that this man is damn near 40 and this is what he has to do now to get views to his channel is sad. Damn, I thought he was older than 40. They said he's like 38 and a half. I call bullshit. Quit lying, Adam. You know, look at that face. Come on. And, you know, we don't really age that well anyways, but you you can't tell me that motherfucker's in his 30s. Stop, Adam. <laughs> Stop it. Quit playing in my face. Right. Yeah. So he's just like on this weird tour of literally pimping out his wife at this point. It's sad. Like, this well, is not marriage. Yeah, you know, and I know that this is like their thing that they do because a lot of times, you know, he would also on his platform he would interview. Um, uh, he would, yeah, he would interview a lot of porn stars because I remember NBA YoungBoy was like, "You bringing them goddamn hoes on your show?" When he went off on him, but um, so I know that's like a thing that they would do. Like his wife liked to sleep with women, and they would film it, and you know that'd be like their that that's their thing. Um, and uh, I, I will say. And maybe this is judgmental on my part. I'll take accountability. But I kind of started side-eyeing them. Like, I get, like, being sexually fluid and very open and stuff like that. Um, whenever, like, she was always, it almost seemed, and maybe that was just my interpretation, but, like, she was sexualizing breastfeeding in a way. Like, mm -hmm. it was always, she would always have her baby on her titties and stuff like that. And, you know, yes, someone who's a sex worker, if they 
you know, it doesn't mean that it has to be sexualized just because she's a very sexually fluid person. But um, I never, t I I'll be all the way real. I never understood why people would take pictures of themselves breastfeeding and upload it on the internet anyways, you know, just mm. for, uh, especially when you are a sex worker. And like I said, this comes off really judgmental, but um, I never got it. I never got it. And then given like what she does for it, it just seemed like it was very sexualized. And it could be just because it's that mixed in with a lot of other sexual content. But they, that's their thing. They always do three-way. And she was doing a lot of um, OnlyFans work and sex work and stuff like that, even when she was, like, pregnant. So, you know, she ain't knew that's this. That's what I heard. Because I never knew who she was until all this nonsense. But I heard, and then they said that there was a tweet where he said that they just had a, a foursome with him, her, another girl, and then the baby because she was pregnant. Yeah, they're fucking weird. I'm, so, I'm going to just go ahead and say, this is some weirdo shit. Like, this is not... What is normal these days? But that's not fucking normal. And I want to say, I could be wrong, but I want to say him and um, uh, his wife when she was like big pregnant and Selena Powell all did some OnlyFans shit. And I think Trisha Paytas too. I could be wrong, but they, they've been getting so him, down. The wife, hold up. Him, the wife and Selena Powell hooked up? Yeah, for OnlyFans. And then Selena Powell came out after and was like, I didn't want to do that because apparently she don't like fucking girls. And so she kind of got mad at him and blasted them and said that she was really uncomfortable and you, you know how she gets down. So I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, no, they did uh, film OnlyFans content. And wow. I think Patricia Paytas did too. Now, I could be wrong, but I, I swear I heard that at some point in time. I would probably need to fact check that. But I know they did with Selena when she was pregnant. So I was like, damn, you don't like being with girls and then you're going to be with a pregnant lady at that? Like not even where you couldn't tell, like super pregnant, big pregnant. Yeah, the whole thing is weird to me because when you think about it, he has a really young fan base. Like Very most of the people who are watching his YouTube channel are young black males, mainly young males of color, right? Because he mainly interviews hip hop stars and stuff mm -hmm. like that and OnlyFans chicks. So you got young boys. And my whole thing is that you're basically perpetuating to young men that this is what a marriage consists of. Or that to be in a relationship with a woman, your woman has to be willing to have threesomes and let you sleep with other girls. And again, people can do what they want to do in their relationship. But a lot of these type of fringe relationships used to be more undercover. And now yeah. it's just open and it's being normalized. Like this is what a relationship is where, you know, we're just sleeping with each other, but we're still monogamous. No, you're not. You know, don't call it a marriage. Just say that y'all just want to sleep around. Because this is not technically what a marriage is. And it's like people are just now, you know, saying and, and reframing what it is to be in a marriage now for convenience. Yeah. And they've been together uh, for a really long time. And, you know, I've, I've seen videos here and there. Um, and they kind of always made it out like it was her. You know, she was the one that really liked to be with girls and she wanted to include him and things like that, which, you know, who knows if that, that's the case or not. But I did find it interesting that <clears throat> the majority of, you know, like her her porns and stuff like that and OnlyFans content and things like that was always with women. And now it was her first time being with another guy. And then if you watch the interview with the dude, he was like, the girl talking was like, oh, like, I guess it was some real freaky shit. And she got real into it and was like eating a bunch of cum. And like, it was some wild shit. And so he's talking about that, I guess, to you know, on his, his platform or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, I must say it did kind of make me, it did kind of make me feel a way or whatever. And I'm like, no shit. Who would, that, that's not hell. I mean, like I said, I'm being judgy, but I don't know. Maybe I'm. 
maybe I'm too old. Maybe my old ass don't need to be talking about this, but that's that's going to be fucking awkward watching someone that you love fucking someone and really really enjoying it. That's that's not a normal thing to do. I would I would think unless like I said maybe I'm too old. Again, you know, um from people who are saying people have been saying I guess he's an atheist and you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I finally noticed he has an upside down cross on the side of his eye. So, you know, that's they say he lot. got lightning bolts. He got them double lightning bolts, too. That I remember Wack was fucking with them one day. He's like, what What you doing with them lightning bolts or whatever, you know. But Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, you got to ask yourself, what God do these people really follow? You know, I think, like so, you said, money. Money's their God. Yeah, money's their God. Even he had gave her like a gift the other day he gave her like a neon green lambo for her first bbc scene and it's just like weird it's just strange and you know what i find so interesting about this is like how we were just talking about suki and you know like suki's talking about getting her coochie scratched in london and you know she's going viral and people are dragging her but this lady you know she's doing all kind of weirdo shit and i've never really seen a lot of uproar hoopty hoop about it it's just like oh okay well you know that's just that's just how they get down and it's like, this right. isn't fucking normal. Right. And she's really doing nothing different than what Suki's doing. You know, but again, like I said, because she's a white woman, she's going to get that grace. Like, oh, well, that's just them. Yeah, that's but just her. Suki, that's just their relationship. Yeah. You know, like Lena doesn't represent you or other white women. But for some reason, Suki represents all black women. You know, right. it's, it's insane, like how that goes. But yeah, I just... The whole thing, like I said, I didn't know their backstory until now. It's very uncomfortable. And the fact that they have a daughter and they're, you know, they're just so overly sexualized and they've somehow included her in this breastfeeding. I mean, I'm sure she's older now, but it's just very strange. And like I said, the fact that he's doing all these interviews with like Aiden Ross, who has a huge fan base with young boys. I mean, most young kids under the age of like 16 and under follow everything that Aiden Ross does. And Aiden Ross, this is like his second or third interview with Adam 22 and the wife. So what do you guys think these young teenage boys are doing? They're Googling, you know, Lena the plug and and her getting smashed by Jason. And right now on Twitter, you can see the full porn, the full 30 minutes right now on Twitter. I can literally (laughs) sit here and watch her get smashed. So what do you think these kids are watching? Right, exactly. I guess Twitter ain't got no type of strict guidelines because you know, <laughs> you know, on Instagram you can't show nipples or nothing like that. I guess it ain't like mm-hmm. that I, I'm over there on Twitter. But um, <clears throat> shit, I just lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say? Damn, sorry. I just completely yeah, her, her full up. point is on Twitter right now. The whole twenty nine minutes, right here. It wa- it makes me wonder, like, because he did the interview and the the guy, what's his name, Jason Love, did the interview. And he kind of threw a little bit of shade, I guess. And then Adam comes back with this response that's kind of, you know, you, you're like, is he joking? Is he serious? Like, was this part of it too? Like, yeah, is I think this they're just, all in on it. Yeah, just to I've go never viral. Heard of this Jason person. I guess he's famous in the porn world, but, you know, now I'm speaking on him. So everybody's talking about them. So, you know, all publicity is good publicity when it comes to social media and going viral. They're getting views on their porn. I mean, there she is right there on Twitter. Slobbing his knob. Oh, wow. This is for all these kids to see. So that's what I'm saying. If I'm an 11-year-old kid and I'm Googling Aiden Ross, this is tied to Aiden Ross, Adam 22. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like there is like a grooming agenda. Because why is this grown man doing interviews on one of the biggest young uh, streamers, right? He has one of the biggest platforms. Well, he's no longer on Twitch. He's on Kick now. 
but he has a lot of young kids who follow him. So if I'm just simply putting in Aiden Ross, her full 29 minute porn is coming up for me. Yeah, this is, I, I don't. So you can't uh, tell me that a lot of this stuff is not per purpose. It's not being done on purpose. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> to get yeah. kids conditioned and to just get them used to just porn. Yeah, because it's already like a super raunchy culture like we were talking about early. Like the more like sexually free and ratchet and, you know, all that stuff. That's what's popular right now, which I think is crazy that like sexuality is trendy, you know, like mm -hmm. usually like how people dress and, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, wear their hair or shoes or cars or whatever. You know, we, we live in a world where there's trends and things. But the fact that sexuality is now like what's trendy and what's not. Is, is very yeah. interesting to me. Like even today, um, they're going viral because Andrew Tate, you know, of all people said he's uncomfortable um, with their conversations about sex. So again, we have the most Googled man in the world, who's Andrew Tate. We have Adam 22, who has a huge fan base. And then Ad, uh, Aiden Ross, who has an even bigger fan base, right? And now we have them all on a stream talking about this. We're going to listen to this really quick. Okay. You were ever interested in doing your first ever double penetration scene that me and Lena, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like, yo, dude, would he be a suitable candidate? Would you, can I tap him I in? No, no. He well, looks oh, yeah, can, I, can I, can I fill it real quick? Andrew, you know, you're out. Aiden, we can't you. You're not in, you're not in this conversation anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Go ahead, Andrew. Would you, would you, would you, Andrew, would you double penetrate bro? Would, would you, would you do that? Andrew, go ahead. Finish the answer. Yeah, all together is is that chill there's absolutely zero percent chance of that happening and it's not because elena is particularly unattractive it's because she's married to adam and i have no interest in degenerate pointless sex and i have no interest in making a spectacle of myself or even just involving myself in anything which i deem to be overall haram and pointless that's just not something i'd be interested in there's not a, there's not a single amount of money on the planet you could pay me to to undertake so Shout thank out to you all He's not doing okay. Mm. Well, he said what the fuck he said. And now, didn't he? He's doing. He's dealing with sex trafficking charges, ain't he? Yeah, he is. Okay. Well, we'll just take that out of the equation. Um, and I'll. But just say that's the first time you've ever seen. I, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like he doesn't sound great. Like that makes sense. That's. I mean, okay. the fact that he's even offering his wife up is insane. Girl, you know what I mean? Like, do you I want, do you want to double penetrate my wife? It, it, it's just the whole conversation is very uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And it's, what is this teaching young boys? You know, like, that's how they should talk about their women or their girlfriends. You know, you double penetrating my wife. And granted, Andrew was like, no, I'm not interested. This is haram. Like, what y'all joking right now? Um, it's just, this is a very odd conversation when you have three of the biggest people on social media talking about this yeah and he's already like uh andrew tate he's already deemed the villain so he's gonna say something somewhat logical but given who he is and his reputation and all that that's gonna be which seems like a pretty logical understanding statement to make like no why would you even ask me that people are gonna be like oh well andrew tate that he's a piece of shit fuck him he's a loser and then let's listen to you know adam 22 and his 45 year old ass talking about you know, having sex with his wife. Like, that's just fucking weird. That's not normal. I, I couldn't imagine, like, watching a video and seeing someone have sex with my my husband. Like, that, I don't, 
everybody's relationships are different. I get people are super freaky, but like you said, in the sense of like younger people and what they think is normal, I think a lot of younger people are going to grow up thinking, okay, well, something that I don't really feel comfortable with or something that doesn't like seem okay to me, there's something wrong with me because that, that seems to be like what everybody else is doing, being super crazy and freaky and all this shit. That's the norm. And that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I think that's the saddest part of it is you're going to have a lot of young people who do think that that's what sex consists of. You have a lot of young girls who feel like, you know, their body's not worth anything more than, you know, just getting some money, getting some trinkets, you know, showing everything they have. It's just I don't know. It's just it's just weird. And I'm not saying like stuff like this didn't go on back in the day. But again, it was more covert. It wasn't as out in the open, right? They were always freaky deekies who did all types of stuff, but it wasn't thrown in children's faces. I couldn't just log on to social media and literally see a a 30-minute porn of Lena the Plug right there on my feed. And I'm grown, so you can't tell me there's not a lot of young boys and young girls who are seeing this and thinking that this is normal, when to me, this should be something that's more kept under wraps. Like, if y'all want to get down like this, cool, that's your grown business, But why is somebody who has a platform where you know that young people follow you, why is this what you're pushing? I mean, I think it'd be odd with me, with my platform, if all of a sudden I'm pushing the young people, I'm on, you know, Twitter giving head and, you know, naked, like people like, what the fuck is wrong with Lovely T? Like, like, what? Yeah. Because there's so (laughs) many young people who follow me. So it's like, are you not even thinking about these young folks and how this would affect them in the future? Because again, the average young girl who's out here smashing any and everything and young boys out here smashing any and everything, they don't have Lena the plug money. They're not right. getting paid from the porn industry. <clears throat> a lot of y'all are just going home with a motherfucking, you know, uh, with some Uber fare. And that's about it. If that. Yeah. And used to like, and I don't even know if these are still around, but you remember like used to, there would be like adult film stores or adult, like where you would have, and you'd have to be 18 to go in there. And that was where, you know, they sold like dildos and pornos and things like that. And that's how you would have access to stuff like that unless you went to, which they definitely don't have these anymore. But, you know, like your local movie shop, your blockbuster, there'd be the porn thing where you could rent. But a lot of people wouldn't really do that. I used to work at a movie store, so you didn't really see too many people renting the the dirty movies because they didn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, we had that here. It was called Sex World. Oh, okay. Okay, Sex Um, World. And we could not wait till we were 18 to finally go into Sex World. <laughs> and Sex World had like all like the, the VHS porn, uh, sex toys. And then they had the peep shows. And mm-hmm. so you could give these girls like a quarter, you know, like four quarters full of dollar. And, you know, they would put on a show for you. But when they weren't paid, they were literally just sitting on a chair, picking their nose or reading a book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember Sex World was a big thing. I think it's still open. But yeah, like porn wasn't accessible like that as kids. Yeah, it was like, you know, for for some people, I know with me, like, you know, you'd go, <laughs> you'd be digging around in the back bathroom, you know, out in the, right. out the back of the house. Yeah. And then you'd see like you a around and happen to find it. Yeah. And you would find like, what the hell are these? Or you'd see a stack of like dirty magazines or something like <laughs> <Right>? that's how <laughs> that's how you would go and find stuff like that. Now I can't, and I can see how easily, like a lot of people can get like porn addictions and things like that because oh, yeah. it's so easily accessible. I, everything in life, I always refer back to like a family guy bit, but you know, the, the um, pervert quagmire. 
Like mm-hmm. there was an episode where he discovered the internet. I guess to show how old this show is. Um, and he discovered the internet and he literally like nobody had seen him for like a week. And then he comes out of the house like all distressed and crazy looking and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that that really is uh, an issue now that a lot of people suffer from because it's so normalized. It's so easily accessed. I mean, anybody can get on Pornhub on their phone. Yeah. And that's why now a lot of this stuff is affecting young people. That's why I really respected Billie Eilish when she talked about her being addicted to porn since mm-hmm. the age of 11. And people try to judge her because she's a girl. No, that shit is real. Yeah, is no, absolutely. Real, you know, and you and these kids have had access and have been left alone to their own devices. Right. By the parents, you give your kid a phone, an iPhone for their birthday and kids are swapping links and, you know, so they are. And so then by the time they get into their 20s, you have young kids. You know, I look at them as kids, 21, 22 year old males with erectile dysfunction because yeah, they've been jerking off that. since they were nine. Yeah. And, now and you they know, can't get it up and have normal sex or they get to the point now where normal, you know, missionary sex or just, you know, from the back. That's not even it doesn't even stimulate them because, again, you've been watching all this hardcore, crazy pornography since you were 10 so just regular missionary sex is not normal to you. Now you want BDSM and you want to tie people up and choke them and spit mm. in their mouth. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, And I mean, I'm pretty sure like there's even been like studies that porn is not good for once again, I don't think it's good for your span. Everybody watches porn, so I'm not judging, right. you know, but like porn really is not that great for your spirit. I mean, there's a lot of shit out there that isn't great for your spirit and things. I mean, drinking isn't good for your spirit. I I drink occasionally. But anyways, I'm just saying when you're really young and, you know, your first, I guess, and maybe this is my experience, my first like actually visually seeing people have sex was, was through porn. So you see these women's bodies, you see these men's bodies, you see they're like, you know, going to pound town. That's what you actually think is like what's normal. So once... Mm -hmm you're consuming that in huge volumes now. And like you said, you get older, they have issues because they've been watching so much and doing so much. Cause when you're younger, you got hormones going on and all kinds of stuff. It's very, very normal to like masturbate when you're younger and watch porn and things like that. But when it gets to like an unhealthy level, because you have so much access to it and it's so normalized, like being so like sexually fluid and things like that is so normalized now that when people get older, it has really bad, uh, really bad side effects from it like it impacts them in a really negative way spiritually physically mentally it's just not it's a recipe for disaster so for these people that are very well known which i know you know their thing is to be fucking and doing with this that and the third um for that to be like a normal thing is is yeah it it seems almost like they're pushing that on the younger folks yeah it can definitely affect you i mean there was a man at my old job and he had been there for maybe about five six years Good guy, really nice guy, but he got caught watching porn at his desk. He lost everything, you know, he was fired. It's like it, it got to that point where he couldn't even watch it in his car on his lunch break. He was addicted and he's watching it on the computer while talking to a customer, you know? So that's when you know it's really bad. I mean, I've had I've heard stories of people, you know, um, in the middle of traffic and they look over and somebody's literally, you know, you can hear the porn coming out their car stereo because they're watching it on their phone as they're driving. Yeah. No, I, that, that's why, I mean, you think of, uh, what was that song? Um, uh, the, the still fly, you know, 
the, mm -hmm. the up and down they're going with the porno going like that was like a normalized thing. But yeah, there are people out there that it is a full fledged addiction, just like anything else. You don't have control over it. It's like a mental thing. It's no different than whenever you need a cigarette or you need a drink or you got to pop a pill or whatever the case may be. It just affects people different. And like you said, if you if you can't like not watch porn while you're at work for a little while, that's a serious issue. And I don't think people realize like how debilitating a porn addiction can be. But it's very, very normalized, especially in areas, too. So I know when people are promoting a lot of the, uh, you know, pop a molly, do some, you know, ecstasy, any type of speed, Adderall, stuff like that that it makes you want to fuck for hours. And that's the thing I've noticed, like when I was younger and stuff like that, a lot of meth heads love their porn. Like it is, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie Speed? Like with Mickey Rourke, or not Speed, Spun. It had Brittany Murphy and Mickey Rourke. Like it was a really big, uh, John Luguizama. But the majority of the show took place around them being in a porn shop. So mm. it, I think it all ties together in a really interesting way with the porn and then the drugs and then being super raunchy and going to these music festivals and sucking dick. And then, you know, your podcasters and people like that are all porn stars. And it, it, it's a lot of sex, like a lot of sex going on to the point where it's like, how are younger folks even like dodging this stuff? Right. Because like I said, I, you know. I didn't know who any of these people were like this. And now it's like, I've been introduced to this whole subculture of Adam 22 <laughs> and his fuckery and I'm grown and my mind is blown. So imagine I, I'm a 13 year old and I didn't know who this man was. Now I know who he is. I've been introduced to his wife. I didn't seen her coochie, her titties. I didn't seen her, you know, giving head. I, I'm blown as a grown woman. Imagine mm -hmm. the 13 year olds who are following all this nonsense. So yeah. Child, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and segue. <laughs> Off of Adam 22 and Lena the plug. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to hit on this story too. If you do not know, you guys, they are reopening the Tupac investigation. They mm. done raided some house in Las Vegas, and they're saying that they are, you know, they're trying to um connect somebody in this home to the murder of Tupac. So we're gonna go ahead and watch this news clip really quick here. In just the last hour, we are learning. Las Vegas police have searched a home in connection to the murder of Tupac, a murder that's gone unsolved for nearly 30 years. He died, remember, at the age of 25 after being shot in a drive-by in Vegas. You're looking at some of that old footage here. I, I don't have to tell you that Tupac Shakur, mega huge rap star. A short but legendary career. He sold tens of millions of records worldwide, most of that coming after his death. There has never been an arrest in the case, and police say this new search now just the last 24 hours in Vegas is part of an investigation, even all these years later into his death. Noah Pransky is joining us now. What else do we know? And does it signal that maybe police are getting closer to solving this, this mystery that's been out there for years of who killed Tupac? Well, I don't want to speculate, but the, the statement you just read is about all we're getting from police at this point. We do know it took place in Henderson, Nevada, which is a suburb not too far uh, from the center of Las Vegas, uh, southeastern corner of, of the Las Vegas area. Uh, police looked at this place last night, but we still don't have many new details today. Uh, as you mentioned, this case has been going on for 20-something years, unsolved. But in Nevada, there is no statute of limitations on homicides. So police have apparently been continuing to look. Um, it seems like maybe there was something, some new lead. And Hallie, you know, you look back, there were a lot of police involved in this from Nevada, New York, California. We, we were talking about East Coast, West Coast rivalries, gang violence. There was a lot of reasons that maybe this case never got solved, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks crossing their fingers today.
All right. So That's it looks like it's yeah, it is. It really is. Um, man, when Pac was killed, I was like in eighth, ninth grade, and it was shocking. It mm-hmm. was shocking. Like, I would just never forget. I was like the biggest Tupac fan, as were many kids back then. Yeah. But it was just shocking. And I remember me and my ex-husband, we both, like, were turning 25. And we were shocked. Because, you know, when you're, like, 13, 14, you think 25 is so old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you're a teenager. Yeah. So, you know, you're right. thinking, oh, you know, 20. And then once we hit 25, and it's like, we're only halfway through life. We got to kid and it's like oh man i can't believe we're the same age tupac was when he died and yeah and that's really 24. young yeah that's what like really hit us like wow they were really young like we still have our whole life ahead of us yeah you know so he had a whole life ahead of him and um it, it's sad what happened but the cover-up has just been just crazy I, I couldn't tell you what they found um i always have equated it to gang violence you know, um, Orlando Anderson and all those guys that were involved. But it's going to be very interesting to see what comes of this. Yeah, I, I will say as someone, you know, just from the outside looking in, I'm like, OK, this this has been a case that, you know, has been unsolved for a very, very long time. So I guess I'm like, what has happened? I know they don't really have a lot of information, but what has happened now that hasn't happened this long, you know? To where they're like, okay, we're we, we're gonna actually figure it out at this point, because a lot of people, you know, thought it was Suge Knight or it was, you know, all you know, all the con- conspiracy theories and stuff like that behind it. So it is mm-hmm. kind of interesting to just hear like it that that is very random, like just randomly one day, like oh, the case is open and we might be able to like actually figure out who did it. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well, wh- why now? That's that's my only thing. I mean, I know everybody's always wanted to know, so that you know, if they do find out who did it, I think that's amazing. I just think the timing is really interesting. Yeah. And the thing that's amazing about Pac is that, you know, he still resonates with kids today. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much Pac I played around my kids and, you know, keeping your head up and just all his songs. Oh, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> you know, just I kind of raised my kids like on real hip hop music. Like I, that was like one of my oldest son's first tattoo was Tupac's Concrete from a Rose poem. He has a tatted on his on him. You know, and um, it's genuine artistry, you know, yeah, it's timeless. It can anybody can listen to it at any age, at any time. And it can resonate with so many different people of all different walks of life. You know, I remember being um, probably like 13, 14 and he had been long gone. But I remember playing his music and my dad coming in and being like, I need you to turn that bass off. It's making my heart beat weird. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) Ain't no telling what my dad, you know, my dad was crazy. He was on 10. So I ain't no telling what he was involved in to where his heart, you know. But anyway, I had one of those little subwoofer bass thing hooked up to my little three disc CD chain. You know how those were? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot about those three disc changers. I had a five disc one. Oh, you was balling. You had a five disc. Oh, yeah. And I remember my parents had one and it had like a little slot machine on it. And you would hit it with the, man, those are the days. But don't let one ours got messed up one of the cds because you know the ones that would change the cds always never fail would get stuck and you'd hear but anyway yeah i was bumping tupac and uh it it resonated to me even when i was like a teenager like and at that time i was like living out in the middle of nowhere we would like write his lyrics on the wall and in our notebooks and stuff like that so it's just timeless that like you said can resonate with anybody 
of all walks yeah. of life. So, and that's the difference between real rap and what we have today. You know, like a lot of the music yeah. that's out today, nobody's going to be quoting, you know, these lyrics 10, 15 years from now. They may be laughing about it and, and reminiscing, but yeah, Tupac was very timeless. You know, um, the things that he rapped about was from the heart. And um, he was a very conflicted man. I'm not going to act like he was a saint. He definitely had those two sides to him. He was a Gemini, you yeah. know, um, and he tried to take on a persona that was not who he was, you know, the whole game banging and trying to be hard. And, you know, Tupac wasn't like that. He was more softer person. But again, when you're that young, you're trying to figure out who you are. Nobody knows who they are at the tender age of, you know, 21, 22, 23, 24. And I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on him back then. And they made him responsible for a lot of things. And he's just a, a human being, just, just a man at the end mm -hmm. of the day man trying to figure out life and it'd been nice if he would have lived you know it'd be awesome to see where he'd be at now in his 50s with social media and everything else but some people are here you know for a long time others are only here for a short time but either way everybody that we run across um they're here to teach us lessons so I just take like the lessons and like um I love some of his interviews yeah I do too go back and I watch a lot and I remember um one of my favorite was about his name. And I remember I, I played that for my son about kids who have unique names. Because my name is really unique. My kids' mm -hmm. names are unique. And he said that basically when you have a unique name, it you have to repeat it twice and it builds character. Because nobody ever gets your name the first time. Yeah, that's true. You that is so true. You always got to repeat it twice and it builds character. Mm -hmm. You know, and I never thought about that until the way he kind of broke it down was just so dope. And um, it made my oldest kind of appreciate his name even more because his name is pretty long, <laughs> his real name, <laughs> you know. But it's like um, it, it makes you, you know, even if you have like an African name, it just makes you really respect it. Like, no, your name is not weird. It's not strange. It's it's something to help build character. Um, yeah, and people so don't ever forget either. Like once they remember your name, they're yep. not gonna forget it, and they're never yep. gonna, they're not gonna like you know. I've got a pretty basic name, so there's there's a lot of Emilys out there. But I remember one of my friends growing up; she had a very unique name, and it, it wasn't even really that hard to pronounce. But I don't know why it seemed like literally anybody, nobody could ever pronounce her name or get it right. The but first I. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And even sometimes the second, third time, like you said, it still would be would be butchered or whatever. Like they just could not get her name out. Right. But I'm I guarantee whenever they remembered how to say it like that stuck with them. That's the only one of those that they know. Exactly. Exactly. So now, last but not least, I want to go ahead and talk about all the strikes that are going on currently in America. So this is like I did the video yesterday about the Hollywood, the SAG Afro strike. Um, but this is definitely the summer strikes. And we are seeing uh, UPS. They're getting ready to strike. Um, and a lot of companies are. So we're going to go ahead and watch this clip here about all of these, you know, these record number of labor strikes that are going on around America. Labor summer. From Hollywood to hotels, workers have been walking off the job. Recent data from Cornell University shows around 119,000 U.S. workers were on strike as of May. You can see 
a fraction of that were on strike in 2021 and 2022. And the demands from employees appear to be the same across different industries, better conditions, protections, and pay. For more on this, let's bring in Seth Harris. He was the former acting U.S. Labor Secretary in 2013 under then-President Obama. Seth, thank you so much for being, for being with us. So your alma mater, Cornell University, has found major worker strikes increased by more than 50% in 2022. The Labor Department says that's the second highest level in two decades. So what's going on? Well, John, I'd say that there are three things. One is the pandemic, the second is profits, and the third is the political economy. Uh, workers are very angry about how they were treated during the pandemic, particularly frontline workers. They put themselves at risk. Their employers didn't do everything they could to protect them. And so workers felt that the only way to protect themselves going into the future was to come together with their co-workers and organize. Profits at the same time rose dramatically. Think of Amazon, think of UPS. They were making money hand over fist, but they were not sharing that money with the workers who were producing those profits. And finally, we have very tight labor markets, very low unemployment rate, and a president who is very pro-union. All of that helps workers to increase their bargaining power with their employers. Four million workers are quitting their jobs every month, that means they can go out and find another job fairly easily. That's their assessment. Well, if you can quit your job, you can strike, and there'll always be another job available for you. So now this next clip has to do with the UPS worker strike. Union workers are preparing to strike. Teamsters, which represents roughly 340,000 UPS workers, have been marching in what are called practice picket lines. Teamsters is demanding uh, a lot of things here, including better pay, an increase in full-time jobs, and for the company to address health and safety concerns, including the sweltering heat inside those delivery vehicles. Their five-year labor agreement will expire at the end of this month, and experts say that if this thing goes to a strike, even a 10-day strike could be the most expensive in U.S. history, costing potentially $7 billion. Mm -hmm. Long hours, you know, like strenuous hours, out in the crazy heat, the cold, you know, all conditions. We made the company a lot of money over the last five years. So I would just ask them to come to the table. Now, the union is accusing UPS of walking away from the bargaining table, but UPS says they've already made historic proposals and they're blaming the union for refusing to negotiate. So they're playing this thing out in the media. All right. So what wow. do you think about all this? It is going down this summer. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm like, you know, your your typical um, like nine to five worker. I'm not a like, you know, kind of entrepreneur or anything like that. And I remember how crazy thing. and also my, my husband's a, a blue collar worker. So um, I remember when COVID hit and it was crazy. I work in a salon. So all the salons were closed. Um, it was it was crazy because it was like things were closed and you really didn't want to go out into the world because you were scared. But then it was also like, I need to make money. And so um, it, it was insane. First of all, if we don't get UPS, like I can only imagine how much things are like shipped and if all these people stop. But uh, anyways, I remember during COVID how crazy it was. I remember the people, the essential workers that were out there putting themselves at risk. Um, 
I was very fortunate to where we didn't like fall upon like hardship or anything like that because the the people that I worked for took good care of us. The unemployment was pretty good. And um, my husband was an essential worker, so he was still able to work. But I do remember a lot of people out there like a 17 year old working at a grocery store. And I'm like, are you not scared to death? Because I COVID was a moment in history where I think we all like experience. It freaked me out. I was like, I'm going to die out here. You know, it was horrifying. So I couldn't believe how many just people were going out there working at these grocery stores and essential workers, construction workers, all kind of things that were deemed essential. And y'all ain't getting paid more. So I don't blame. My son was an essential worker. You know, he was a stock boy at the time at Target. Yeah. And it was like work and stock and get food up and all types of stuff. And did they pay them hazard hours or anything like that? Or it's just like they got a little bit of a bump, but it wasn't a whole lot compared to what these companies made. No. Yeah. And then also, you know, a, a lot of people were like, well, damn, I would be better off if I did get laid off because the unemployment was, mm-hmm. was pretty high. I mean, I think it was like 836 a week, you know, which was more than what a lot of, you know, nine to five, like retail workers, things like that was making anyways. So it's like, damn, I'm putting myself at risk and I'm better off just staying at home and getting unemployment and y'all aren't paying me more. It, I remember feeling like that feeling of like anger, like y'all really don't give a shit about us. Not me personally, but just seeing other people out there that had to go through all that. And I felt a way. So I definitely understand these people being like, no, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like they definitely should have been paid way more money, especially being considered essential workers. And what was so crazy is how these companies, they just switch up. Remember the nurses were heroes during COVID. Oh yeah. And then as soon as they hands. Yeah. You know, and then as soon as they wanted to um, enforce the vaccine, all of a sudden the same heroes, they didn't care. They were firing them left and right. Yeah. They were selfish pieces of shit. You're not, you're going to spread the virus and kill everybody. I remember the, the narratives and, and all that stuff going on. And, um, I remember uh, I felt bad about ordering stuff on Amazon because I'm like, man, these Amazon workers aren't even able like I know they're in, probably working overtime. They're not at home with their families. They're probably not paying them anything extra. So I felt really bad about that. And um, it, it like dawned on me. I was like, what if these the Amazon workers were like, no, I'm not. Can you imagine like these multi-billion dollar companies? They don't run without the people that they really treat the shittiest. If Amazon drivers are not going to deliver their packages. They're not going to make any money. If hairstylists for these big corporations don't cut hair, they're not going to make any money. If the people at McDonald's don't flip the hamburgers or the plumbers or construction workers don't build these houses, you know, they, they pay, they're paid the least and treated the shittiest, not all the time, but sometimes. And that's really what supports like the, the backs of these huge corporations that are very greedy. And I think that's the issue um, right there is corporate greed and corporate Mm -hmm. greed is all around us. Right. So we have, you know, SAG-AFTRA, they're striking, right? The actors, you had the Screenwriters Guild, the writers in Hollywood also striking. But um, it just shows that the people on top, the people who are running things, they want to keep that system. They Mm -hmm. don't want to share in the money, you know, and even a lot of like the A-list celebrities, yeah, some of them are speaking out, but a lot of them are kind of quiet because they don't want to lose their positions too. 
because once you get to that A-list celebrity status, you notice a lot of them now get producer credits and executive producers. And this was produced by Selena Gomez and, you know, all types of stuff. So they don't really want to lose their status either. So, you know, it's just it's it's crazy because you would just think, like, why can't we be a little bit more fair? Right. You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a bulk of the money because if you're the one running it and you started yeah. the company, it was your idea. But why can't it be a little bit more fair? Why do the people at the bottom only get paid pennies to the point where people are not even able to survive right now off a of minimum wage? Oh, no, you know, not with the cost of, of everything. Yeah, with the cost of living. You know, that's the thing that I didn't take into consideration. Rent has gone up. Mortgages have gone up. Everything has gone up. And they're not taking that into consideration that these, you know, previous wage standards, they're not sufficient in 2023. No, they're not. And I've, I've noticed a lot of like worker shortages. You know, I don't know where people are working mm -hmm. or what they're doing, you know, if they've been able to find work from home and stuff like that. But I've always heard this like my whole life when especially as soon as I started working is that everybody's replaceable. And that always got on my nerves because I'm thinking, well, what about this job doesn't make you equally as replaceable? Yeah, I might be replaceable. That's cool. Right now, I got the upper hand because there's a worker shortage. So good luck with that. But what about you makes you not replaceable? Because if I can get paid the same amount of money working for y'all somewhere else where I ain't got to deal with a bunch of assholes, or I can just, you know, maybe I got to deal with some more assholes. But in this moment in time, I'll just go somewhere else. What makes you not replaceable? So a lot of these corporations and stuff want to complain about worker shortages and people not having a good work, work ethic and there's no more pull it up by your bootstrap shit. That's bullshit. People are sick and tired of this. Folks have been working their asses off for years and they are seeing through the bullshit. There, in no way, shape or form should someone, you know, who's like a sales associate at Target be making the same as, you know, the, the owner of Target. But. They make so much money. I remember reading an article one time. I think it was about Walmart. And it was talking about if they just increase their prices by like a nickel or something like that. I don't remember the exact price. But they could literally be able to pay all of their um, all of their workers like a fair wage with de decent benefits and get people out of like the poverty line. They're not going to do that because if they increase the price of products by a nickel, they're going to pocket that. They don't give a fuck about the people that work for them. Mm hmm. And Walmart's very anti-union, if I remember correctly. I don't know if shit's changed. It's been a long time since I read the article, but I think people are just tired of it. And I will say, I, I remember I used to work with a girl whose husband was a UPS worker mm -hmm. and they wasn't joking. It, it rain, sleet, snow, shine. They it can be road ice all over the road, the weather conditions, whatever. They still expect them people to get out and drive. Like, they don't oh, yeah. give a fuck. They're like, get your ass to work. We don't care. If you get in a bad wreck, you get hurt, anything like that. You know, they're not studying it. Yeah. You know, that's what all of them, FedEx, um, Amazon, the post service, you know. So it's it's a lot. Um, and unfortunately, if they end up going on strike, it's going to affect everyone. Yeah. You know, if you order anything, if you're a small business and you have to ship stuff, this can be a very, very expensive strike. So they're hoping that they don't go on strike, but I think they have two days left to negotiate. And if they go on strike, trust and believe this is going to trickle down where FedEx will be next. Amazon will be next. You know, so I think, like you said, a lot of people are waking up and they're tired of the corporate greed. Um, I also believe that that's why a lot of regular people don't care as much as to what's going on in Hollywood. Because no. it's like, you know, again, 
the faces of Hollywood are the little 2%, the, the rich, the wealthy. And people don't understand that it's a lot of just regular everyday people who are working, you know, who they're getting a regular base pay, you know, maybe 50 to $100 a day doing background, $200. And um, they don't make enough to sustain themselves. And I've, you know, a lot of the comments have not been supportive of the Hollywood strike. They're like, oh, well, go get a job at McDonald's. Go, go back to school and get a degree. So I think a lot of that is coming from people are tired of the rich and wealthy and the, and the celebs and stuff like that. They're tired of that culture. They're tired of the fact that every time they turn around, they're hearing how this person, you know, got paid a hundred thousand dollars for a picture for a TV series. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, somebody's doing backbreaking labor, doing construction, doing plumbing, you know, roofing and putting their lives physically in danger. And then meanwhile, you know, you had these celebrities, these singers, these rappers who, you know, they put in work, right? But people feel like it's not the same amount of work and they're making millions of dollars. So, and I think some of that backlash is trickling down to the entertainment industry because if you notice, the record sales are down. People are not watching movies like they used to. The Kardashians to. are down. I mean, I see TikToks all the time. The Kardashians' rec uh, views or whatever, streams, <laughs> I guess, now that it's on Hulu, is, I believe, at like an all-time low. That's probably why Kylie's meeting up with Jordan now because they're trying to find some way. They're probably having, you know, meetings and stuff, trying to figure out how to become relevant in some type of way. And I, I keep seeing the same thing of people saying, I is it just me or like, I'm not, I'm in debt I've got, I'm up to my neck in student debt. I'm working three jobs. Um, cost of living is at an all-time high. Inflation is crazy. And I just, I'm watching this this bitch buy one mansion and then move across the street and get another mansion. I don't want to see this shit. You know, not hating on people who got money and put in work or whatever. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm not, that that's great. But do you want to see it shoved in your face 24-7 when you've been at work all day, your feet hurt, and you know your lights are about to get cut off? Right. And I think that's, all of this is having a trickle down effect. People, one, don't have the extra money to spend on nonsense. They're going to be more careful what they spend their money on. But they're also not sitting here going to entertain, you know, these movies, these concerts. I've noticed Beyonce's concert price tickets have gone all the way down, too. I'm when it yeah. first came out, they were like three grand. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> for like two, three hundred dollars. Well, I mean, most people can't afford to pay for that. I know uh, Future was supposed to have a show here in Memphis. It was like Future and Friends. And so we're like, okay, we're looking into ticket prices. And I want to say the nosebleed was like $300. I'm like, who's paying for that? I'm not paying for that. And so they ended up uh, canceling the show. And I'm sure mm -hmm. it was, you know, due to poor ticket sales. Nobody has the type of money to spend like $3,000. And I love Beyonce. I know she puts on a hell of a show. But I, I could not imagine in my life spending that type of money for a concert. Right. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure the $3,000 were, you know, front row tickets, but, you yeah, know, even stage passes, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I don't think they were backstage. You're going to have to pay at least 10 grand to see her oh, backstage. Wow. Remember? And they were saying that half the backstage people who went and paid for the tickets, they only saw Tina Knowles. Like Beyonce oh, wasn't even back there. Damn, so, B. You know, yeah. I remember back in the day, um, when they actually had free meet and greets, like you would go to a show or a comedy show or something. And after they would have like a meet and greet. And if you felt like it, you would wait in line and they would, you know, sign whatever you had and maybe chop it up. For I met Jared Leto one time because he was doing a meet and greet. Um, but anyways, I, I always thought meet and greets were, were free. When we went to the Warp Tour years ago, 
it would have like which meet and greets, you know, where they would be and stuff like that. Um, so I don't do that anymore. Everything is commodified. I remember yeah. when celebrities used to be at the mall signing posters. I met uh, Yoga Yoga Russell Simmons when I was like maybe 19. <laughs> yoga Yoga. <laughs> Yeah, he was out there signing posters and everything. They don't do that anymore. Now, if you want to see a celeb, you got to pay all this extra money. You know, they're not signing CDs anymore. They're, you know, even some of these book signings, you got to pay to get your book signed. Yeah, yeah. It, and that that used to be like a normal thing. Like so-and-so would be having, because it would, you know, I guess increase their book sales or it would increase their album mm -hmm. sales. People would go to like, you know, different record stores and things like that. And whenever the release of their album would come out because people would show up in flocks. I remember seeing um, on, uh, what was it, TRL or something like that back in the day when a new album would drop and they would be at a CD shop. And mm -hmm. I mean, there'd be fans everywhere screaming, young, waiting for hours, you know, outside in the rain to go see people. And it, it was at no charge. I mean, besides your time, but it, it's yeah, different now. Yeah, like that no more. And yeah, I, I just think corporate greed, um, everybody living these weird, you know, fairy tale lifestyles on Instagram that are not real. And so now people have curtailed this lifestyle and they have to maintain it. And I think that's where all of this pressure and stress and, you know, now these celebrities, they're they're scrounging to get money because their movies are not selling nobody's watching their show. So now they're all running to be YouTubers and podcasters and sell cookbooks. If one more celebrity sells seasoning, I'm going <laughs> to, like, all y'all bitches don't cook. Like y'all went yeah, from having come on chefs. Now. Yeah. You know, I have a private chef. I never cook. I don't cook. I don't clean. So now you're selling me seasoning. Why well, thought yeah. you didn't cook or clean? You know, like, so now you're selling $30 <laughs> bottles of seasoning. It's insane. But I also think too, that with these um, SAG Afro people uh, striking, I think we're going to see a trickle down with reality TV stars as well, because they definitely get exploited. They don't make shit. A lot of these no. reality TV stars, they're lucky they make 30,000 a season, you know, and it's yeah. sad because they make as much as regular people do going to work, but you're being exploited, you know, on Love and Hip Hop and on all these other shows. I can only imagine what a lot of these girls get paid on Zeus. I know Natalie Nunn gets a good bag because she's a executive producer, but the girls who are on there fighting and acting a fool, they don't get little, they get peanuts. Yeah. And then they have to uphold like this image of like, oh, well, I'm that girl. I'm, you know, designer down. I'm drip down, you know, cars, uh, everything like that, you know. So not only are you getting paid what, you know, minimum wage, if it's, you know, I'm sure they have other streams of income, I would hope, but $30,000 a year and, and hold that, that's well below the below the poverty line. And I think a lot of people are just, they're tired. Like everybody, it's not entitlement because a lot of people always want to say, oh, people are so entitled. They think that they should. I think people just want a fair living wage, you know, or just health insurance. That's the thing with me. Like I would just like to be able to pay less in my insurance premium than my mortgage. Like just simple things that people need to live like a healthy lifestyle is so uh, like unobtainable and very difficult. Like I, I, I think it's like in the millions. I could be wrong. I need to fact check that. But most people, like we'll say, middle class Americans, can't even afford health insurance, and that is wild to me. That if you're sick, you don't, you can't even go to a doctor. Yeah, people are tired. They're sick of this shit. Which I've heard UPS might have decent benefits, but you know, if you're not getting paid enough, you can't afford the copays and the premiums and stuff like that to even you know obtain that type of stuff. 
Exactly. So it's going to be very interesting to see where we go with this summer strike to see if any other companies end up joining, you know, UPS and SAG-AFRA. We had nurses striking earlier in the year. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it looks like the, the, the people are now revolting against the corporation. So we'll see how all of this plays out. But um, we've definitely been on here for over an hour and a half. So I want to thank you for coming on, Emily. This has been a wonderful conversation. No problem. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming. So thanks again for having me. Definitely. All right, tea sippers. We will talk to you guys later. Enjoy the rest of your day. Deuces. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.